following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how you can join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org. Well, good morning, IBC. Good to see you. Happy New Year. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's been a long time since I've, I've seen you. I didn't know how many people to expect. You know, it's New Year's Day, it's Sunday. Might have stayed up late last night. Might have been in bed early like me, around 10.30. You never know who to expect on a New Year's Day, so I was maybe expecting the faithful few, but this is a faithful many. Look at what God is doing. Look at your brothers and sisters in Christ. Give yourself a little pat on the back, maybe a round of applause for being in church on New Year's Day. So good. It's been a long time since I've seen you. It was just last year before I've seen you, so I'm glad, glad you're here today. Ronald Rollheiser says this, our society knows how to anticipate an event but we're not too great at sustaining an event. We know how to anticipate something that's coming, but we don't do too well at sustaining a celebration. So today, we're gonna sustain the celebration. Any piano players in the room, you hit the chord, you hold the sustain pedal, and you let it ring, baby. Today is the day to sustain the celebration. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating what this season is. Contrary to popular belief of the uh, calendar that we use, in the Christian calendar, we are still in the Christmas season. It is what day? Anybody know? The eighth day of Christmas. Okay, we got the birds in the first few days of Christmas. You have the rings on day five. When you get to day eight, you have the eight maids of milk. And today is day eight of the Christmas season. We're sustaining the celebration. But why is it important today, the eighth day? Well, in the liturgical Christian calendar, the eighth day is the day where you celebrate the, the holy naming of Jesus. It's the naming day of Jesus. In fact, we'll see this in a little bit in scripture. This was the day that Jesus was named. We don't do too well at sustaining celebration. So I thought today we should celebrate. We should sustain the celebration of our salvation in Jesus. It would have been easy today to talk about, hey, here's a plan for the new year, how to, how to pick a Bible reading plan. Here's a, here's a 21-day prayer guide. Here's, a, here's a, a practical way to trust in God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But I thought instead of going pragmatic, we should root ourselves down in good, deep theology that will sustain us through a year of growth together. To celebrate our salvation in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus came at an interesting time, many of you know this, that in this period, there was this messianic longing, this longing in Israel for the Messiah. Israel, this was the late second temple period, and Jews for hundreds of years have been un- under pagan rule. Different empires ruling them, and at this point, they're under the rule of the Roman Empire with the same longing, the same yearning, the same hoping for a savior, a deliverer, a messiah, a messianic expectation. And this expectation showed up in the ways that the Jewish families would name their baby boys. You know, the name Jesus isn't, uh, isn't a unique name necessarily, especially in this time period. Jesus is the English translation of the Greek word translated for the Hebrew word, Yeshua, which simply means the Lord saves. Jesus' name was Jesus' mission. Jesus saves. The Lord saves. This is reminiscent. Families would name their kid Jesus or Yeshua to remind families that God made a promise to send a Messiah 
and harkens back to the story of Joshua who led the people of Israel into the promised land. Co-led with Moses, Israel out of slavery from Egypt and into the promised land and one day there would be a Messiah who would lead his people out of slavery to sin and death. Jesus, his name means salvation. This messianic expectation led to this messianic expression in a name. And Whitney Woolard, in, a, in an article she wrote, says this, imagine you're a weary Jew in the first century. You've lived under the thumb of pagan rule your entire life. Your days are overshadowed by Roman oppression. You're impoverished because of injustice. You walk through the streets of Jerusalem with the nagging sense that God has forgotten his people and he's forgotten you. You're losing hope with each breath, each day. Suddenly, you hear the faint call of a mother beckoning her son Jesus in for dinner. And you pause, remembering afresh, Yahweh is salvation, Yeshua. You close your eyes, you sigh in relief, one day Yahweh would indeed send his Messiah to save his people. And into this context writes Luke. Luke 2, 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named, say it with me now, Jesus. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it, say it like you love him. He was named Jesus. There it is. On the eighth day, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Matthew 1.21, the angel speaks to Joseph and says, you are to call him Jesus. Luke 1.31, the angel speaks to Mary and says, you are to call him Jesus. And then we see in Luke 2.21, he was named, say it with me now, Jesus. There we go, he was named Jesus. Jesus means salvation, salvation. And so today we sustain the celebration of salvation. You know, there's a lot of people who enjoy celebrating, but there's a certain kind of person in the room who maybe likes to party and celebrate a little bit better than the rest of us. You know who you are if you're in the room. You're our kids. You're our special guest today. If you're a kid in the room, can you just raise your hand? I wanna see you. There we go, awesome, okay. You know what, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting all of you or knowing all of your names. If you're a kid in the room and maybe have some New Year bravery, maybe a New Year's resolution to step into your calling, can you step up and stand up from your seat with me for a second? All kids in the room, just stand up with me. Let me see you, let me see you. There it is. Yeah, we love the next generation, come on. There we go. All right, so if you haven't met me yet, kids, my name is Jared. I'm a pastor here at the church, but I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you. So I'd love to, to meet you, learn your name. On the count of three, if you're a kid in the room, can you just tell me your name? One, two, three. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. My name's Jared. Your name is His name? Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus means salvation. And this is good news. This word is sozo. It means to rescue, to deliver, even to heal. Last week, Christmas Eve service, if you were here, Pastor Barry uh, preached an amazing message on how Jesus came, the incarnate Christ, to heal our image of God. And today, as we move to the rest of this message, I want to show you how Jesus came to heal the image of God in us. Jesus is salvation. He came to heal the image of 
of God in us. Yaroslav Pelikan says this, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. It is from his birth that most of the human race dates its calendars. It is by his name that millions curse and in his name that millions pray. Paul says this in an early hymn of the Christian church, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess, acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Acts four, Peter in his famous sermon says, this salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven. The name means salvation. Jesus' name reveals Jesus' mission, and his mission was to heal the image of God in you and in me, to heal the image of God in us, that we would yet again reflect his character to his creation, and that his creation yet again would reflect his praises back to him, to heal the image of God in us to the glory of his name, his name. And so today, as we talk about salvation, I wanna tell you just a little bit of my story. So if you don't know uh, my story, I grew up in a Christian home. In fact, my parents are here today, front and center. A little nervous, but glad you're here. Um, My parents were pastors growing up, and so I was a church kid. I'm the youngest of four, grew up. This This is like home to me, being in church, being in front of people, leading in worship, talking about the things of God. I absolutely love this. I was a church kid, but somewhere along the way, uh, based out of athletics and church and playing music, all of these things kind of wrapped themselves up and I got gripped by a lie along the way. And this lie crippled me, it gripped me, it took me into places I did not want to go. And this lie was this, I'm only as good as the good I do. Only as good as the good I do. In fact, I was thinking about my story recently as we were sharing our salvation stories in our pastoral staff meeting. And this line is what I came up with. And it was the first time really that I, that I clarified what lie has gripped me. I'm only as good as the good I do. I'm only as good as how good I do. And for the longest time, this created this really intense self-focus and self-critical thought. This really intense, almost self-pity and hatred to where at times I'd find myself even to this last year, 2022, wrestling with anxiety and depression, wrestling with doubt and questions, wrestling with calling and purpose. I'm only as good as how good I do. I felt trapped and in that feeling of trapped like we do when we're under the noun called sin, we then express verbs of sins. I was gripped by a lie rooted in the father of lies, Satan himself, and from that lie lived a lie and sinned against God Almighty, against my true creator king who keeps his promises. Only as good as how good I do. I'm not doing very good and then I sin and then I realize I'm not that good. In fact, scripture says that in this state that we are alienated from God, that we are under God's just judgment, that we are hostile in nature toward our creator, that we choose self to be sovereign over God, to be sovereign king and Lord of our life. And I was trapped under this lie and expressing this lie through sinful choices and sinful behaviors and sinful patterns. And into this lie, the name of Jesus entered. Jesus means salvation. 
And as this lie deformed the interiority of my heart and life, as this lie crippled my soul, as it distanced me from my creator, as it separated me from my relationships and I couldn't develop healthy relationships with people because I was afraid that I just wasn't good enough, Jesus, salvation, he saved me from the lie. He forgave me of the sins set me free and made me new. In Christ, in Jesus, my salvation, now I know the truth is that, I, that I'm only as good as how good he is. And how good is he? <laughs> He's good. He's the righteous one. He's the holy one. He's the savior. He's our master. He's our friend. He came to heal our image of God by showing us that God truly is the God of mercy and compassion slow to get angry and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He came to heal our image of Yahweh. He came to heal the image of God in you and me. His name means what? Salvation. And we as Christians, as we gather together on this day, we celebrate this name. We celebrate that we are the saved ones, the rescued ones the delivered ones, the healed ones. I had a great Christmas, really great Christmas. I don't know how yours was. Just in our little circle of friends, not every Christmas we heard of was that great. Maybe you're coming in today and you feel rough and ragged. You feel tired and worn out and you just need to hear the truth of the gospel. That in a, in a hopeless world, Jesus came to save in a joyless world, Jesus came to save. In a sin-filled, sin-sick world that you find operating even within a sin-sick heart, Jesus came to save, to give you a new heart with new desires under a new covenant with a new family, the family of God. Today, today, hear his name on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise the child, he was called Jesus, the, the name that the angel had given him before he was born. This act of circumcision on the eighth day, this was really family discipleship at the time. Mary and Joseph being faithful to the covenant. This act was representative of the covenant of Abraham, that God made a promise to Abraham and this marked the people of God. So this is a, a very visceral human act loaded with divine meaning. And then you see the flip side of this verse, the back end of it, it says, this is the name that was given by the angel, a divine name with meaning for humanity. And converging in this human action loaded with divine meaning and this divine name loaded with meaning for humanity is right at the center of Luke 2.21, his name, Jesus, salvation. And so let's get into what this means for us. I wanna give you the images of salvation, the tenses of salvation, and the freedom of salvation. Let's move through it together. Let's move through it together. The images of salvation. We see three dominant images that were given in the scriptures about what it means to be saved by God, to be healed as the image of God in this world. Forgiveness or sacrifice, victory and renewal. Can you say that with me? Forgiveness, victory and renewal. John the Baptist, when Jesus came to be baptized, John declared in front of all the people, look, 
There's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. First and foremost, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. His name means salvation. Salvation means forgiveness. Forgiveness was accomplished by sacrifice. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Maybe you came in here today filled with guilt and shame. You feel so heavy and burdened. Jesus is the lamb of God that takes away your sin. He's the sacrificial lamb. He died in our place for our sin under the just judgment of God, substituted for us, that in him we might have redemption, healing, renewal. In him we might live in his name, salvation. He's the sacrificial lamb. He's the victorious king. He's a victorious king. Colossians 2, 15 says this. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Later, John in 1 John 3, 8 would say, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. He's the sacrificial lamb who dies in our place for our sin, but he's also the victorious king who breaks the power of sin and death and destroys the work of the devil. And thirdly, he's the, He's the renewing savior. Colossians 3.10 says this, put on the new self, Paul talking to the church at Colossae, the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. He's the sacrificial lamb in our place for our sin. He's the victorious king who breaks the power of sin and death. He's the renewing savior who is renewing the image of God within us. Jesus came to heal our image of God and Jesus by his name salvation came to heal the image of God in you and me. But let's talk about the tenses or the dimensions of salvation. You know, it's been said, are you saved? A question to be asked. John Stott once was asked this question and he said, yes and no. How would you answer that question? Are you saved? Would you say confidently, affirmatively, yes? Or would you maybe think a little bit, huh, am I, am I saved? Yes and no. Here's why John Stott answered the question, yes and no. Because salvation is both a moment, a process, and an ending. Salvation is something that God does in us, for us. He saves us. We respond in faith to his gift of salvation. But then we go on a journey with God to be saved again and again, to be healed and restored. And then we await our salvation. We have been saved. We are being saved, and we will be saved. His name means salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 says this, for it is by grace you have been saved, past tense, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, past tense. You've been saved. You've been saved by Christ. If you are in Christ, you have been saved. Theologians call this justification. You have been justified, set right with God. He paid the price in your place for your sin. He broke the power of sin and death. You have been saved by grace. Mm, it's good news. It's good news. Just this morning, I recognized this good news. You know, we had a later service, and so I spent a little bit of the early part of the morning working out, not because of a New Year's resolution. Those usually don't work out for me. I'm just trying to stay healthy, right? And so I've got a little squat rack in my garage, and I was underneath it today doing some incline press. And uh, like Adam and Eve in the garden, chose uh, an unwise choice. Uh, you know, God said, there's all these trees. Uh, don't eat of this one tree. A good trainer will tell you, or a good weightlifter will tell you, hey, don't be dumb and lift weight that you can't handle. 
Uh, so I thought on New Year's Day, I'll just put a little extra weight on there for incline bench. And uh, I push it off the bar and immediately my momentum took me forward and the bar goes forward and I landed onto the rests. It was quite the experience. I've actually had this a number of times in my life where I've gotten trapped under a bar. Not too wise in the gym. You need a spotter, right? You need someone who you can put your trust in to get you out of the mess. I was trapped this morning. Had to roll the bar down my legs and then you know, get out from underneath it and move the weight and start all over again. And I was thinking, man, this is how sin feels. It traps us. We need to be saved. It traps us. We need to be saved. But not just once, again and again. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. You have been saved and you are being saved. What a beautiful message that today at the top of the year, fresh day, fresh year, fresh news of a fresh gospel in Jesus Christ, you are saved and being saved. That your sin is carried away by the lamb of God that he breaks the lie that has gripped you for your life and that he's renewing you as you trust in him. You are being saved. God is committed to forming you in the way of Jesus. He loves you. He's focused on you. He's attentive to you. He cares about your pain and your struggle. He cares about your hopes and your dreams. God is saving you and aligning you with his will and purpose for your life. And finally, it says in Hebrews 9, 28, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You have been saved by grace. You are being saved and renewed by the work of the spirit in you. You begin a new heart with new desires and new covenant and new family. And yet we are all awaiting as Christians great and glorious hope that one day he will appear again and bring salvation to all of creation. Romans 8 says that all of creation yearns and groans for the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God because one day Jesus will appear again and bring salvation. So did he save? Will he save? Is he saving? Yes. John Stott said, am I saved? Yes and no. I'm saved, but I'm being saved. And one day I will be saved. And then finally, there's the freedom of salvation. This is where I just want you to step into the lightness and the joy of God. To, as the Proverbs say, to run into the name of God where you are safe. It's like a strong tower. To live in the name of Jesus, to pray in the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus is salvation and salvation at its core is freedom. It's freedom. You've been set free. You've been set free from the slavery of sin. You've been set free from the deception of self. You've been set free to share in the life of God. Here's what Romans 6 says, setting us free from slavery to sin. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. Salvation is freedom from the tyranny of sin. The lie that I lived under, I've been set free from. 
The lie that controlled me for so long and expressed itself in different various choices, behaviors, and patterns. The lie that I was only as good as how good I did, I have been set free from because Jesus, my salvation, has set me free. I have been saved, I am being saved, I will be saved because Jesus in his name and in his name alone, I am set free from sin and so are you. I'm not as good as how good I do, I'm as good as how good he is and he's very, very good. Salvation is freedom from slavery to sin. Jesus set you free takes you out of a bad place. Colossians talks about it in chapter one as being delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. Almost a geographical picture. You've been taken from one domain and put into another. You have been set free from slavery in Egypt and taken to the promised land. You've been set free from slavery to sin and taken into life in the spirit of God. Jesus means salvation. You've been set free from the deception of self. You know, sometimes the biggest thing in our discipleship to Jesus, the biggest thing that gets in the way of our discipleship to Jesus, it's ourselves. Not the image of God being healed and renewed with you, but the self that wants to choose sovereignty of self versus sovereignty of God. The flesh, as scripture would call it. You've been set free from the deception of self. Here is what 2 Corinthians 2, 15 says. And he died for all, that those who should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Set free that you would no longer live for yourself. That is freedom. That is good news. When I was gripped by the lie that I was only as good as how good I did, I was living for self trying to self-justify, trying to self-medicate. None of it worked, but I've been set free. On this day, this holy day, he was named Jesus for you and for me. Can you imagine being a weary Jew, hearing a mother out in the distance, Jesus, it's time for dinner. And you remember, Yahweh is salvation. Where is Messiah? God, will you save? We have a savior. He came, his name was Jesus. And he set you free from deception to self. If you look up words of the year for 2022, the second word of the year is goblin mode. Anybody use that word this year? I did not use goblin mode, but goblin mode was the second word of the year. And goblin mode is, is this state that a person goes into. It's a choice that you make. And if you look up the def definition, it says goblin mode is the unapologetic choosing to be slothful, lazy, and indulgent. Goblin mode, the deception of self. If I just go goblin mode, I'll feel better. The unapologetic choice to be lazy, indulgent, slothful. Third word of the year, permacrisis. Permacrisis, huh. Permacrisis sounds like slavery to sin, right? This, this ongoing crisis where I feel so trapped and so alone and so on my own. I'm just gonna go goblin mode because there's a permacrisis. Hey, you can use these words in 2023, y'all. They're still fresh. Goblin mode and a permacrisis. Jesus sets you free from the permacrisis and the goblin mode because those things destroy your soul. He loves you. 
they deform the image of God and he is healing the image of God in you. And then finally, here we go, freedom to share in the life of God. Romans 6, 11 says this, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In the Messiah Jesus, count yourself dead to sin and alive in God. Freedom from slavery to sin, freedom from deception of self, and freedom to share in his life. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you might have life both then and there and here and now, that you in 2023 would have life, that you could live 2023 in the name of Jesus, in the name of salvation. The name that is forgiveness, victory, and renewal. The name that has saved you is saving you and will save you. The name that frees you from slavery to sin, frees you from deception of self, and frees you to share in the life of God. His name. John Stott says this, and we'll close here. Salvation is freedom. It includes freedom from the just judgment of God on our sins, from our guilt and our guilty conscience into a new relationship with him in which we become his reconciled, forgiven children, and we know him as our father. It is freedom from the bitter bondage of meaninglessness into a sense of purpose in God's new society of love in which the last are first, the poor, rich, the meek, heirs. It is freedom from the dark prison of our own self-centeredness into a new life of self-fulfillment through self-forgetful service, or as we say here, self-giving love. And one day, it will include freedom from the futility of pain, decay, death, and disillusion into a new world of immortality, beauty, and unimaginable joy. All this and more is salvation. So, how can we live 2023 in the name of Jesus? Because you know, we need to proclaim and declare that name together here. On behalf of one another to the glory of God, to remind one another, as Charles Spurgeon said, preaching the gospel to ourselves every day, that God has saved you, is saving you, and will save you. That he's forgiven you, he's victorious, and he's renewing you. We need to hear from one another this name, Jesus Remember Jesus. Don't focus on your sin, focus on him. He set you free from sin. Develop your love for God. Let's do that together in community. How do we live in the name of Jesus in 2023? Because it's not just for us, it's for our community and those who are hurting and broken and don't know this name or what this name means. For those who are lost in their sin, for those who are hurting from living in the deception of self-centeredness from those who haven't tasted the life of God. You have been given the message of reconciliation. We have been called to live in the name of Jesus. And there's two ways, only two, that we need to do that this year. Number one is this, rejoice in his name. Or as Ronald Rollheiser put it, sustain the celebration, baby. Keep the party rolling. There's 12 days of Christmas. And then there's epiphany and then there's a new year where we journey through the story of Jesus together as we go deeper and deeper into the healing image of God. He's healing our image of him. He's healing the image of God in us. We rejoice in his name or as Psalm 96 says, sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation. Day after day, you have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. Rejoice in his name. 
Jesus, 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 my Savior. I was gripped by a lie, but my Savior set me free. I was gripped by a lie, but Jesus set me free. I was living for self, but Jesus set me free. Rejoice in his name. And then carry his name. Represent his name. This is your call and purpose. You don't kind of go search for it. Represent his name. Represent his name. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 to 21 says this. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, the set rightness of God in the world. We've been set right, we've been saved. We carry the message of salvation every single day. And to the spaces and places that are dark and hurting, you've been called to proclaim one name by the way you live and love and serve and give and are hospitable and treat your wife and your husband and your kids and your friends, the way that you talk and text, the way that you pray, the way that you make choices, you proclaim his name. I've been set free, I've been saved, I'm being saved, I will be saved. Richard Niebuhr said this, the great Christian revolutions came not by the discovery of something that was not known before. They happen when someone takes radically something that was always there. May we take radically the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, our savior. Jesus had a name and he brought us to a table. And this table is where we receive the life of God together. And so, let's do that now. If you have your elements, we're gonna receive the Eucharist. We're gonna receive communion on this holy naming day as we live in the name of Jesus together. You see, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he had a meal with his disciples and he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is how we receive the name. This is how we live the name. This is how we take in the name of Christ that we might represent the name of Christ. Let's receive Jesus together. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup, it's my blood. It represents the new covenant, new relationship, new terms. Here we go. Set free to live free. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death is what he said, the saving death of Jesus until he comes again. Let's receive the cup. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how to join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org.